Hi, and welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast, co-hosted by Abby Thiering, the Badass Breastfeeder, and Diane Cassidy, IBCLC. My name's Abby Thiering. I write a blog called The Badass Breastfeeder, and I was a social worker for 14 years before I became a mom and um, struggled a lot with breastfeeding, became very empowered through breastfeeding, and turned my social work advocacy into a blog and a breastfeeding community. And I'm Diane Cassidy. I'm an IBCLC, which is a lactation consultant, um, advocate as well. And I got into breastfeeding because of really of my children, the path I took with my kids, um, kind of like Abby struggled and questioned and rallied for support and ended up kind of falling into this life of being a breastfeeding advocate. And uh, we want to welcome you to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is episode two. And in addition, um, Diane and Abby are very busy moms who love to take time to advocate. And uh, we also are doing lots of mom things. So you might hear in the background some noise, some dogs barking, some kids screaming, playing, crying, um, doorbells ringing, phones ringing, anything like that happening. And it's just life happening around us. So just let it happen. All right. So welcome to episode two of the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. Um, last episode, if you missed it, definitely go back and hit it up because you don't want to miss hearing all about how we came into the world of breastfeeding. But this week, we are going to talk a little bit about um, conflicting information and how that impacts breastfeeding and how that impacts a new mom. Um, I see it a lot in the work that I do with new families, um, something that comes up all the time. Now, Abby, do you see that in the blogs too? Oh my God, all the time, all the time. I experienced it myself and I still see it all the time. So do you have one that stands out, something that someone told you that you were like, no, but I, I heard this something different from somebody else and they're telling me this and, or an example of where that really stood out to you? You know, it's incredible because I feel like it stands out. There's like so many, it stands out. It starts in just like pregnancy. Oh my you know, God, there's yeah. all, there's all of this stuff. Like you get pregnant and, um, you know, people are like, well, you know, you can, you know, get the baby to come out faster if you eat pineapples and walk up and down the stairs. And then like, if you, you know, so lay down on your back and push really hard. And like, you know, the doctors are telling people this and, um, you know, you go on Google and you want to like Google things and Google is filled with all kinds of terrible, terrible information. It's awful. And people are like, what? And you know, they, so yeah, so I think it starts, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of terrible information. I think specifically surrounding birth and how birthing happens. And in our culture, birthing has become a business. So um, we tend to think that like we can't, you know, there's so much doubt about our abilities, a body's ability to just birth this baby. And then this doubt comes, you know, on, I think even stronger when, when we um, start breastfeeding. There's like all this doubt, like I can't do this. And <clears throat> that's just basic misinformation there to begin with that I can't, my body is not capable of birthing and breastfeeding this baby. Like it, that's just like cultural misinformation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a norm. It's a norm that we think. 
Um, I remember the thing that stands out that I think is funny now, because I don't see a lot of people talking about this, but I remember there's a lot of this, like people are like, what can I do to prepare to breastfeed? What do I, what do I need to do to prepare? And it's like, girl, you're, you're, you have boobs. You were born to breastfeed. Like you don't, there's nothing you do, but you, I'm sure you've heard this where people are like, take a shower and then rub a towel on your nipples and harden them up. Yes. Which is like, oh my God, the worst possible thing you could possibly do to your body. And some people will still ask me that, like when I do prenatal breastfeeding classes and they're like, well, my mom told me I should prepare. And I was, and I always look at them like with the most serious face. And I say, I'm not quite sure what that even means. Like I, to prepare your nipples. I actually did have, I'll never forget when I was working inpatient at one of our popular hospitals here and I had a mom in the bed after she had had the baby and I asked her how everything was going, you know, whatever we were talking about, how the breast for the first few breastfeeds were. And she goes, well, I was prepared because I, I um, hardened my nipples up with a washcloth first. And mm. this woman was a nurse practitioner. Oh my God. And yeah, I was she- amazed at and I guess I shouldn't be I shouldn't be surprised because we all know that like when it comes to your own kids logic goes out the window but I was really like somebody told her that and that made medical sense to her yeah you know I think it's also important to remember and I remember learning this and like you know I feel like my perspective on everything changed is like medical you know like in the medical community doctors like medical doctors if breastfeeding doesn't exist in medical curriculum. No, it does not. There's like, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not there. There's all this stuff about formula. You know, the curriculum was made like in the thirties or whatever, and it hasn't changed since, since then. Like seriously, it hasn't changed. And doctors, unless they go, unless they go and get their own, you know, and learn about it themselves and take initiative, they know no more than you do about breastfeeding. And so then people are like, oh, my God, I need to go to my doc because we're also so isolated, right? We're so isolated. And so we don't have each other. We don't have like our elder community elders like we used to have. And so we're going to our doctors and we're like, what do we do? What do I do about this breastfeeding? What do I do about that? And really what com- comes down to it is this, this doctor's opinion based on no science and no education, basically just saying, you know, giving all these giving all these terrible terrible, you know, information to you, like, you know, well, there's no, you know, breast milk has no nutrients after the, (laughs) after the first six months, or there's, you know, breastfeeding your baby past one year old will cause psychological damage. You know, your child will be too needy if they breastfeed too long, you know, and all these things that people just say, because it's their opinion. It's based on nothing because they do not know. They don't know. They don't know. And, and it breaks my heart, you know, cause then they yeah. come to me and they say, well, my pediatrician and they trust their pediatrician so much or their doctor or their OB or whoever it is. Yes. That they, and, no, and that's so cultural too, right? Yeah. The doctor is in charge. The doctor knows everything. Doctor, doctor, doctor. And it's so, they, they just trust them and they really want to believe what they tell them. And I always try to like soft coat it and like, they know that they can't know everything. They can't, they can't know everything. And that's why they're specialists. Like it's- right, and they right, and they don't know anything about breastfeeding. It's not their fault. No, it's not. It's not in the curriculum, you know. And that's why lactation consultants and like having access to lactation consultants is so important because these are the people and doctors really should be referring, you know, when people have breast uh, breastfeeding problems. Um, and that actually did happen to me. The my very first pediatrician that I ended up stopped going to because <laughs> of other reasons, but. She was like, you need to see a lactation consultant. And it was like, 
now I now I realize that that's a really unusual thing for doctors to say because they don't usually do that and they really should do that more. They really should. They really should. And they just like they would refer on if a child has an allergic reaction, they go send you to an allergist. Yeah. You come in with, um, you know, a breathing issue. They send you to respiratory that you come in with a broken bone. They send you to, you know, wherever. But exactly. This is something that's that's a specialized thing. And not only is it specialized, it is also very, very emotional and psychological to a postpartum mother. So we can't just treat it as a medical issue all the time because right. it's not. It's not. And they're so – new mothers can be very, very delicate when it comes to this stuff, not just because it's breastfeeding but because it's their baby. And mm. when it gets dismissed, like, oh – it's all right. Just do the best you can and, you know, just be a good mom. You know, like, what does that mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's okay to give up. You know, we have formula. It's okay. If you want to give up, it's okay. And you know what? The bottom line is it is okay. If you don't want to breastfeed, it's okay. Right. But you don't have to stop breastfeeding and give up because you're having problems because somebody can help you through those problems. Yeah. Whenever I hear someone say, to me, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with giving formula. We say, if that's what you want to do, that's, you're right. But if you really, if it was your goal to breastfeed your baby, then you should have every chance in the world to do that. Right. And there shouldn't be, you should get all the help that you need to get. You don't go through pregnancy by yourself. Right. You know, everybody, oh yeah, you're pregnant. Then you're at the doctor's once a week at the end. And then you have this baby and they're like, okay, Good luck to you. See you in six weeks and see you at your PEDS appointments. Well, when you go to the PED, right. the pediatrician really doesn't take care of breastfeeding stuff because they're there for the baby. So they don't care if you have plug ducts or mastitis because they're not dealing with right. that. The right. OB, they don't really, once the baby's out, they're like, oh, not really dealing with that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, what are the big ones? So like the big, like big ones are like, Oh, the other big one that I hear is like, um, how often should I feed my baby? You know, like what, what's the schedule? What's my baby's feeding schedule? No, there's no schedule. Breastfeed your baby, put your baby to your breasts, like as much as you can. And all the time, whenever they cry, whatever they're doing, (laughs) it's like, what I just constantly put your baby to the breast, you know, their breast milk, there's no need to, you know, your breast milk turns to water at six months. It's not true. It, turns to doesn't water. Ha- it doesn't ever turn to water. Never, never. Yeah, so no. the ones that I hear a lot, and this is, I kind of came up with this topic today to talk about, we could probably spend like three podcasts on this, but let's do it. I, <laughs> I um, had a couple of moms recently and it really stuck in my head how much what other people were saying to them was was affecting what they were doing. And it starts, like you said, it starts in pregnancy, but then the breastfeeding piece of it really too in the hospital, because yeah. you see, you know, your labor nurse, your postpartum nurse, your OB comes in and this person comes in, then your lactation consultant, if they have them in the hospital comes in and all these different, and they're all telling you something different. Every single one of them is telling you something different. And by the time the mom comes to see me, they're saying, I don't even know what to do because I was told something different every time I saw somebody mm-hmm. and that's frustrating and I don't even know how to fix that for people because that needs to come down from like a systemic level of hospitals need to have everybody trained exactly the same way. And we all know that's not happening, but you have nurses that come in and, and granted they, they mean well, but they're kind of giving information 
sometimes that they did when they had their babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the lactation consultant coming in and saying one thing, and then you've got the other lactation consultant coming in and saying something different, and then the pediatrician coming in and saying, no, I don't think that's right. And, you know, it's just, it's very, very, very confusing to a mother who is brand new and has no idea what she's doing. Right. Then she goes home, and this one mom that I, I saw recently um, kind of sticks out in my head. She came into my office with her husband and this beautiful little baby. And this baby, I'm not kidding, was feeding beautifully. Like, she's beautiful. She was fine. There's no issues with the feeding. It was all, but my mom said that I shouldn't wake the baby up. Do I need to wake the baby up? I don't know what to do. Should I wake the baby? Because then when the baby does wake to eat, then it seems like it's too long. And then she's fussy. And then what about that? Then do I know when she's done? How do I know when she's done? How many minutes? They told me not to feed this long or I should not feed this. There was what everybody was saying to her was sticking in her head so, so deeply that she couldn't even make a decision on her own for this baby. And and everyone's got an opinion, right? Oh my gosh. Everyone's got something to say. Everyone has something to say. And I tried to break it down a little bit and it, it, it helped that her husband was extremely supportive and he was from a different country where this stuff didn't happen. And mm-hmm. he was very open to saying where I come from, nobody knew, we, we didn't, never heard about things like this, mm-hmm. about problems with breastfeeding and stuff. It just happens. Why are we mm-hmm. making this so difficult? And I was like, you know what? You're extremely right. It really, it shouldn't be like you, you know, your baby better. And she had it in her head that, you know, her mom and her mom's friend, they were trying to help her and they raised all these kids. So why shouldn't she be taking their advice? It's really hard to understand that now you have a maternal instinct. I mean, I think that was one of the things that was really hard for me too. And I don't know when you felt like yours kicked in, but mine, you know, they kick in pretty quickly after that baby's born, you know, that baby, you know, you know that your baby, you know what they need, but you question it because you're like, how could I possibly know this? Yeah. And then I feel like when you're questioning it then, and then, you know, so yeah, so I had, so I had Jack and, um, they told me that like, like a few hours later he was crying and they said, well, he's crying cause he's hungry because I wasn't make cause I was induced and I probably wasn't like producing a, I don't even, I don't know what I was, I don't know what I was producing, but he was nursing. He was like, you know, he was on my breast and he was seemed to be nursing fine. And he was crying, you know, and then they were like, well, um, he's crying cause he's hungry and you're not making enough milk. Oh God, that's the other one. You're not making enough milk. Oh, yeah. Um, and you know, so you need to give him some formula. And I said, no, because I read in a book <laughs> that uh, I said, that, like, I don't even know, like, you know, like just say no, like if you want to breastfeed, say no to formula. So I was like, okay, I'm going to say, I said, no. And, um, they're like, well, he's hungry. You really need to give him something. And, you know, they all like three of them said that. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. Well, I guess they know what they're talking about. So then I gave him formula. And so when I said, no, I don't, you know, I, I was confident in that, but then they were very quick to knock that down. So I thought, well, okay, maybe there is something wrong here. And, um, so then there's the doubt, right? That's the beginning of the, I mean, I, you know, I was pretty doubtful the whole time. I don't know what I'm doing. I knew I didn't know I would have, what I was doing, but when I was trying to make like an executive decision about my baby, they were like, no, you know, that's not, he's going to be hungry. He's like starving, you know? I'm like, well, God, I'm not going to starve my baby. And then you feel like the worst mother in the world. Well, then I'm like, oh my God, give him some formula. Holy moly. Okay, let's do this. So then he's like, you know, hooked on formula. 
um, which was not what I wanted. And so I'm going, you know, how do I, how do I fix this? How do I, how do I, you know, but then I'm dealing with the whole, like, well, I'm not making enough milk, you know? So I totally believe this, that I'm not making enough milk and I'm, you know, I'm, I've got it in my head now. And so there it is. I don't know what I'm doing now. And so now I'm, now again, I'm Googling and I'm getting all of the worst information that you can get because Google is terrible. Um, and I know that it's Google is great. Like if you want to know like who won the world series in 1972, like Google is awesome. But if you need like reliable breastfeeding information, it's not a great place to go. So, you know, so yeah. So then there, yeah, there was just doubt and bad information the whole time coming at me from, and then we went to the pediatrician and, you know, they're like, oh, well, it's okay. You know, you know, everything's fine. Everything's going fine. And I mean, though, I did say the one did refer me to a lactation consultant. And I feel like that's really when, when I got involved, when I got in touch with lactation consultants, they were, then I think things started to go a lot better because then, you know, then the people who knew were dealing with the problem, but the whole time people who they didn't even know, they didn't know, but they didn't know that they didn't know, you know, it's, 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 it's a whole, it's a business. It's a, it's a system and it's like a, it's very powerful. Like the whole medical, like the medical community is like, you know, it's big. It's huge. It's yeah, it's absolutely huge, huge and powerful and contradictory and impossible to go up against almost. Yeah. And if you do right, if you do go up against it, they make you very, it make, they make it very clear that, you know, that you're, that you're, you know, that you're going up against something that you're not going to win. Right. You know, I had a pediatrician one time tell me that I needed to stop asking questions. Oh. I had a, yes. She looked at me over her glasses and told me I needed to stop asking questions. And I was, I was asking questions about a really important issue, which we don't have to talk about today, but you know, she just looked at me and said, you need to stop asking so many questions. I was like, <laughs> who says that? Somebody. Somebody doesn't then, have the you answers. Know, probably. Right. 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 Yes. Or, yeah. I mean, she knew I didn't like the answers she was giving me. And when I pressed on, she just told me to stop. Oh my gosh. It's so, yeah. that, and you know, Google and the books. And when people mm-hmm. tell me, Oh, I've, you know, I'm reading this book I'm reading that book and I want people to be informed. It doesn't have anything to do with that, but to think, okay, in the book, it says that my baby should be feeding every three hours, that they should be sleeping five to six hours a night by the time they're four weeks of age, that they shouldn't need to eat overnight. That's another good one. They shouldn't yeah. need to eat overnight past, you know, two or three months. The books are saying this, therefore it must be, that's the way I must go. It must be true. Um, and I always try to really try to put it into perspective with these families that your baby is not a cookie cutter. These babies yeah. are not the same Uh, Every baby is not the same and every baby is going to do something different. If you have eight babies, they're going to do eight different things. They're going to have eight different personalities. They're going to have eight different sleeping patterns and eating patterns. And you're, it just, that's just the way it is. But the books don't tell you that. And if the books told you that, then we would have no more books because there's nothing to write about that. It's just the way it is, you know? So I think that, yeah. So now, you know, we, we talk so much about misinformation and how much misinformation is out there. So what do we actually do about that? And, you know, I think that, that getting in touch with a lactation consultant, even before I, people, you know, when people say, people always say like, I'm having a baby and what should I do to prepare? 
you know, I'd say like, try to find a lactation consultant that you like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody who could be there for you from the beginning, because honestly, odds are in this country, just the way that things kind of go is that people do at least have questions or concerns, you know, and the lactation consultant is happy to talk to you, to answer your questions, to like, you know, to help you if you have obviously problems, big problems, small problems, whatever. And I think that that's more, that's, that's something that people actually can do because that's, that takes plan. You know, you have to actually, you know, call the La Leche League or attend a meeting or actually like, that's something that you can do. Like when you're, when you're like freaking out about having a baby and you're in your whole nesting phase and you've painted every room in the house and you've already bought all the stuff. And now it's like, oh my God, now what else do I do? Call the La Leche League and say, I'm just looking for somebody who can, you know, be my contact. Especially in this day and age where everybody's isolated and separated. And sometimes you have, you know, people having children who don't even have family around them or don't have friends that have had kids or are having babies later on in life and their friends' kids are grown. Um, To reach out is huge and important. Even if you think it's not a major thing, you know, it could be something that you feel like is, Oh, I feel like this is a silly question, but it might not be, it might be completely, it it probably is completely valid and attached to other questions that you might have down the line. I've gotten phone calls from people when their baby is nine, 10 months old. And that's the first time they've ever needed to call somebody because the baby's Mm -hmm. teething or the baby's doing salads or, you know, like whatever. But there's always questions. Things evolve and you always have questions and there's nothing wrong with, reaching out to a lactation consultant who can help you with that stuff. It's so much easier than trying to figure it out. You waste more time probably Googling it than you would just call somebody. Or like, yeah, yeah. Or going on Facebook and asking all your Facebook friends. Although I would say that Facebook is a good place maybe to connect with some other breastfeeding moms in your neighborhood or in your city or whatever, because sometimes a, a, a big, a big help as well is cutting through that, cutting through the noise and cutting through all of that, bad information is just meeting somebody who's also breastfeeding and like sitting, sitting with her, mm-hmm. you know, just like two breastfeeding moms sitting there and like, you're seeing her doing it and you're like, Oh yeah, that's what I look like in the mirror. Or like, you know, like yeah. there's something about just like seeing it and having like somebody else who breastfeeds. Cause I mean, when I first breastfed, I'd never seen anybody breastfeed. I didn't even know anyone had kids. So when I was like to go around, you know, I, I didn't even know how to find people, but I started doing like, you know, what are those? Um, there's so many more resources now. Oh and gosh, I think Facebook yeah. is a really good, but you know, meet like meet meetup.com or something. Yeah. So I, you know, I found some, some moms in my neighborhood and, and it really made a huge difference just to be around other people who are breastfeeding. One of the ways that I've seen Facebook really play a huge role with this Um, I am on some Facebook breastfeeding groups here locally in our area, and sometimes I'll see moms pop up and be like, you know, I, my mother-in-law told me that I shouldn't still be breastfeeding. Has anybody else Mm. heard that? What do you guys think? I don't want to, you know, like, and then you get these moms that pipe up and are like, hey, you know, you're doing fantastic. Just the support that can come out of these groups to make you feel like, all right, I can get through one more day or, Oh, it's so painful. I don't know what to do. I'm so tired. You know, can somebody give me some advice here? And people say, you're doing a great job. This passes. I went through it. You know, it's just to hear those kinds of things. It's irreplaceable. 
Yeah, totally. And things like that you don't see like in normal society because again, you can walk around all day and never see a person breastfeeding, never see a person breastfeeding somebody over the age of two, you know, and suddenly you get online and you join like some sort of like extended breastfeeding or, you know, breastfeeding beyond infancy breastfeeding group. And then there's like thousands of moms in there doing the same thing that you're doing. And you're right. Like the support that comes out of that and just the like, Oh yeah, people can do this. Yeah. Oh, wait, I can do this. It's not as you strange. Know, all that works. Yeah. It's not that strange. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. So as far as how we're going to change the world today, um, <laughs> we are going to encourage moms to get more support, to find those people that are going to be their cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And to not listen to things that just don't sound don't, right. Well, yeah. And to ask questions, you know, to find a lactation consultant, because I know a lot of people, they, they, this is the other thing is, um, you know, Google's free, you know, mm-hmm. which is another thing that people really like about it. But, um, professionals have actually gone to school and like paid, you know, like, like paying off loans <laughs> and like have jobs and stuff, so, you know, like sometimes like actually, you know, you, you know, maybe buy like a, a cheaper stroller, a cheaper crib. And, you know, people are so people are so ready to spend money on your baby. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like I want this cool crib. I want this cool stroller. I want to have that. I want to have all this cool stuff. But, you know, and then it's like, well, here you need some reliable breastfeeding information. It's like, well, I don't I'm not going to pay that, you know, three dollars for that app or that ten dollars for that book from that, you know, that great lactation consultant. Well, you know, it actually might be worth it or paying, you know, for a lactation to call consultant to come and come, you know, make a visit to your house or whatever it is. You know, that stuff is actually, it actually might be a good investment. It's a, it's a, such a good investment. And I mean, because it's not covered by insurances in a lot of places still, I mean, spotty, yeah. I can get it covered spotty sometimes in, you know, here in New York, but people think, well, maybe it's not an important enough thing. You know, it's not covered by insurance. It's not recognized. Um, It is important. And quite honestly, formula is more expensive than a lactation consultant visit. And there have been times where my husband, like people have called me and then they find out that there is a fee involved or that they have to pay out of pocket. And they're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'll call you back if I still need help. And there was one time my husband looked at me and he said, you know, people will pay more for an iPhone at this point. I'm yes. like, you're right. Yeah. They will. Well, and it's, and I think it's partly Google's fault. I'm going to blame Google because I think people are like, well, why would I pay for that when I can get it free on Google? I can just Google it. And there's like 50 blog posts <laughs> by who knows who, knows who, who. Yeah. you know, about like what to do. Who, yeah. To, but, you know, because it's like, well, then I don't need to pay for it because it's free right here. But people don't realize that that information is terrible. It's terrible. And the people that have the reliable information are the people who have gone through education and all, you know, mm-hmm. and all of these things where it's going to cost a little bit of money. Just like going to the doctor costs money. It does. Because they have all of the medical information. And so the person who has the reliable breastfeeding information might come with a fee. And, you know, you can still, you know, you can still, the Leche League is free. You know, that's a good place to start. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. Usually if you can have, you know, time with a lactation consultant, they can help you with what's going on specific to your situation. You know, you can, of course, you can Google and read and, you know, look at the blogs all day long about, we'll use the example of going back to work because that happens often 
going back to work mm-hmm. at six weeks with an, with a baby is very different than going back to work at three months with a baby. Your pumping is going to be different than, you know, my pumping because we have different routines, different schedules, different times that we work. You know, you can't, if you can talk to somebody one-on-one, you're going to get very individualized, specialized information that's good for you and your baby, not just what you read in a book and not what just what you read in a blog or on Google. And that is something that's going to take you a lot further. But. Right. And, and I think as, as well as somebody being able to see you and your baby, that's a good point. You know, actually somebody being able to look at your baby breastfeeding and say, okay, I can see, you know, let's make a little adjustments here or, you know, actually what's your, like, what's specifically going on with you? Like, what are you, what are you, you know, what are you experiencing? Yeah. Because I, that is the problem with like, you know, just the cookie cutter, like, you know, the, the blogs and the books and even asking on Facebook, because then people are like, well, I have this experience. And then, you know, I'll tell you about my experience about this, you know, when my, you know, when I had like overactive letdown or something for an example. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, well, it doesn't, you know, that might not, you might do everything that she just told you to do, but your body and your baby are completely different. And you might have a whole like other situation going on that you don't even know about because you haven't seen a professional. Right. Exactly. Exactly. See, we and that person hasn't seen you. Yeah. And people like email me questions and stuff. And first of all, I'm not a lactation consultant. And second of all, I have no idea like what else is going on. Like you, you know, maybe your baby has like a tongue tie or I don't know, like nobody can know unless they actually see what's happening. Yes. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. And I think again, you, you know, you've got this whole idea behind society that says breastfeeding should be natural and easy and simple. And it's not. There's a lot more things that go on mm-hmm. with it. It's not as natural and easy and simple as people think it is, but they get this, you know, this thought where we prepare for the birth. The birth is hard. The birth is, you know, going to be terrible. We need to take classes for birth. We need to make sure we see our doctor regularly. We need to make sure we know everything that's going on, but nobody prepares for the breastfeeding piece. And yeah, right. that will last a lot longer than the birth will. So, Yeah. So conflicting info. So we'll wrap up. Um, if anybody out there in podcast world has questions about anything that comes up as far as conflicting information, you hear this, you hear that, we would love to hear about it. We would love to hear about it. And we could talk about it on the podcast, um, you know, do all sorts of things with it get all kinds of other information from other people and see what everybody thinks. But we would love to hear um, if you have concerns about conflicting information. And Abby's going to share yeah, and the you email can, address. Yes, and you can email us at thebadassbreastfeeder at gmail.com. And I think we're good. So we will have another fantastic topic for you for next week. And um, we're going we're gonna to keep it a surprise. Absolutely. Keep it a surprise. But we hope to hear from you in between. And unless, yeah, unless we hear from all kinds of people who have all this conflicting information, then maybe we need to talk about this. Yes, because they're truly, we truly could go on for a long time. That's the basis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, conflicting information is like the basis of all all breastfeeding in America. It's the core. It's the core of all everything that goes on. Okay, I'm Diane Cassidy, lactation consultant, and you can reach me at diancassidyconsulting.com, which is my website. And I'm Abby Thiering, and you can reach us with your questions at thebadassbreastfeeder at gmail.com. Until next time.